Hi, this is Cliff Robertson. I would like to congratulate On Screen and Beyond. Happy 50th anniversary. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to episode 50 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak, your host, and we started back in October of 2007 with our first show with Mickey Jones, the drummer for Bob Dylan in the band, and of course he was also the drummer for Kenny Rogers in the first edition, Trini Lopez, uh, uh, Johnny Rivers, and many, many more people. He was also on um, Home Improvement with Tim Allen, and now here we are. In 2009, with our 50th show, and our very special guest is Oscar-winning Cliff Robertson. And many of you know Cliff as Uncle Ben from the Spider-Man movies. But he has a long history of great films, including playing John F. Kennedy in PT-109, a great film. And it told the story of JFK when he was in the service. And Cliff's Oscar-winning role in the fantastic film Charlie. And uh, if you get a chance, go out and get that movie and watch it. Uh, it's it's a great film. It's not uh, one with all kinds of explosions and everything else, but just a good story and great acting. And it shows what a great actor Cliff Robertson really is. And he uh, talks about those films and many more things later on in the interview segment of this episode. It's our 50th episode. We have an Oscar-winning actor right here on On Screen and Beyond. So be sure to check that out, and that's coming up. And be sure to check out all of our other interviews with the stars, such as Don Grady from uh, My Three Sons. He played Robbie Douglas, and also Stan Livingston, who played Chip on the same show, My Three Sons. And also we've got we've had Sally Kirkland, who was nominated for an Oscar, Sally Kellerman, who was nominated for an Oscar for her role in MASH, the movie, and Taylor Lautner, who, of course, is in the Twilight movies, and he was in Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And we have two interviews with him, and also you O'Brien of Wyatt Earp, James Drury of the Virginian, Richard Van Vliet of All My Children, Rose Marie of Dick Van Dyke, and on and on and on. I, we've just had so many great guests, and you still have a chance to hear those episodes and interviews by going to onscreenandbeyond.com and clicking on the OSB podcast reruns. And there you'll find a list of all the episodes we've had, all 50 episodes, and you can go and listen to those and listen to some great actors talking about their careers, some music people like uh, Chad Stewart of Chad and Jeremy from the 60s and all the hits that they had and everything. So there's a lot of uh, information you can get, a lot of great trivia, a lot of great just listening to the stories these people tell. And um, we're keeping them up there so you can listen to them. And this is episode 50, so we're going to get going right now. And as we continue, like we always do, we're going to go into remakes. Not a whole lot, but there's remakes coming up. And it's next, right here on Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. I said there's not a whole lot going on as far as remakes right now. I'm sure there'll be more coming our way. But American Gladiators, the 90s TV show that was a hit and a short-run series last year on TV, now may be headed for the big screen. We'll keep you informed as that comes your way. And that's about it for Remake Madness. Coming up next, upcoming movies right here on On Screen and Beyond. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, as far as upcoming movies, Antonio Banderas is slated to work on a film now in development called Conquistador. And it's a story about the 16th century explorer Hernan Cortez and his mission to destroy the Aztec Empire. Also, Banderas is slated to star in Lovers, Liars, and Thieves with Dustin Hoffman. And finally, Mike Myers, you know him, Austin Powers, He'll portray drummer Keith Moon in the film that's going to, it's not yet named, but it's going to be all about the life and death of Keith Moon of The Who. So that should be a good one to check out. That's about it for upcoming movies. Coming up next right here at On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City. Well, on the streets of Sequel City, it looks like Inglorious Bastards, it's not even out yet. But Quentin Tarantino is already preparing a prequel in this case. Not not a sequel, but a prequel. And he's even talking there might be a sequel. So, you know, there's a lot of different things he's looking at. Well, as far as Star Trek, we've already told you that uh, they're looking at a, a sequel to that one. But now with all the oodles of money that it's been making in the box office, it has been nailed shut, I'm sure. Definitely there's going to be a sequel to come your way. And Star Trek fans will really be happy about that one, I'm sure. And... Uh, Antonio Banderas is also out in Sequel City, or somewhat sequel. Uh, this is a spin-off, more or less. Puss in Boots is a new film that Antonio Banderas is going to star in as the swashbuckling cat from Shrek. At least he's going to be lending his voice to it as it is. And this time, with his own movie, a, for headed for a 2010 release. That's what they're looking for right now as he plays the swashbuckling cat, Puss in Boots. And that's about it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen Beyond, it looks like we're going down to see what's coming out for TV on DVD right here on On Screen and Beyond. TV on DVD, September 29th is the date of Married with Children, the complete 11th season to head into stores. And on July 21st, look for the 26 episodes of Charlie's Angels, the complete fourth season to explode into stores with Jacqueline Smith, Cheryl Ladd, and Shelley Hack. And November 3rd, Disney releases Zorro, the complete first season, Walt Disney Treasures Limited Edition 10, and the same for season two. And it includes special bonus uh, material, including Zorro specials and Zorro pins and a lithograph. That's about it for TV on DVD. Coming up next, movies on DVD from On Screen and Beyond. Well, as far as movies on DVD, When I Find the Ocean, a family film starring Diane Ladd, Lee Majors, George Lindsay, and Richard Tyson, will be available on DVD. And it is once again, because it has been out on DVD, but there has been a limited edition uh, release out in theaters for one week and actually it's still out in theaters so if you go to um, our website you can go to a link 
and it'll take you to find out where it's playing across the country this week. It's always better to see it on the big screen like that. But uh, in case you're in an area that doesn't have it, you can, of course, pick up the DVD after. And that's going to be available right now. And June 9th, look for Powder Blue, starring Jessica Biel, Forrest Whitaker, and Ray Liotta. And it comes to DVD on that date, June 9th. And that's about it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on our 50th episode of On Screen and Beyond, our guest is Oscar-winning Cliff Robertson. Like I said, many of you know him as Uncle Ben on the Spider-Man movies that have been uh, the biggest money-making movies ever recently. And, uh, of course, in the past, he has played John F. Kennedy in PT-109 and his Oscar-winning performance in Charlie. And it's Cliff Robertson. He's got a lot of great stories to tell, and it's right here on On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is an Oscar-winning actor who has been in many, many roles, and one of his big roles was in 1968's movie Charlie, which he won an Academy Award, and he portrayed President Kennedy in PT-109, and to our younger listeners, he's known as Spider-Man's Uncle Ben Parker in the three recent Spider-Man movies. It's Cliff Robertson. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Well, Cliff, uh, there's so much ground to cover here. You've done so much. Um, and, of course, everybody knows uh, about your acting and everything, and we will get into that. But I'd like to start off with something that uh, some people may not know about, um, about your uh, love of aviation. Oh, yes. I understand you own some vintage aircrafts? Yes, I do, and uh, I'm a big believer in aviation. I'm a number one ad- ad- advocate for aviation. America is number one in aviation, and we always have been, and it is. Testament to our our talent and our belief in this uh, wonderful world of ours. When did you start being a pilot? Well, well Brian, I I got my license. Oh, about I, I got my license about thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I, I fell in love with aviation when I saw my first airplane. I was five years old. I grew up in La Jolla, California which is near San Diego. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was five years old. I was in the backyard playing. And my uncle and another man were standing there watching this little airplane doing aerobatics over the house. And they were shaking their heads sagely. And one of them said, you'll never get me up in one of those little airplanes. <laughs> and I watched that little airplane do all these aerobatics and then fly safely. Myself. <coughs> See, that's wonderful. Little bird is going back to its nest. We got into the Ford car that was parked on the curb, and it wouldn't start. And in my mind, I remember looking at the window, seeing the little plane going back to its nest in San Diego, and we couldn't get this stupid car started. <laughs> so I, I, in my mind, I said, "What's wrong with this picture?" <laughs> So I, I've always been an advocate, ad, advocate of uh, aviation, wow. safety in aviation. And it's an honor to, uh, to 
to be honored in a number of ways, and I some of which I don't deserve, but I readily accept it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, um, do you just fly the actual engine planes, or did you did you go with gl uh, gliders and? Well, I was kind of at the beginning. I had little little toy gliders, then I had little uh, little uh, model airplanes. Mm -hmm. Made out of balsa wood. Yeah, and then I had uh, then we got the where we had the little engines, and uh, finally, after World War II, I said it's time to do it if I'm ever going to do it. So I uh, I sold over in England mm -hmm. at the Fair Oaks Flying Club, Chobham, Surrey. And it was a wonderful experience, and I've been absolutely wedded to it ever since. Wow. And I've owned a number of airplanes, mainly vintage aircraft. I love the old biplanes, two-wing, open cockpits. Now, are those what they call tiger moths? Yeah, I, I had three tiger moths, and uh, I have I sold them because mm -hmm. I have a little company called Security Aviation. Yeah. We had three Tiger Boss, and then we have a French Stomp, aerobatic biplane, open cockpit. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, we have a World War II Messerschmitt. Wow. Which I sold recently, and uh, I fly gliders up in Menden, Nevada, in the high Sierras as well. Now, now, for those of us that have never done that, is that is it? It must be thrilling to just sort of glide quietly like that. It's thrilling, and it's it's more than thrilling. It's uh, it's heavenly. Hmm. It's uh, peaceful. It's serene. It can be hairy if you're not careful. Uh, but when you're flying a glider, it's you feel like you're in heaven. Hmm. I've never done that. I've I've done hang gliding, which yeah. makes you feel like you're not even moving, even though the the boat that's pulling you is moving. But it, it, I can imagine it must be something like that because it's just so quiet and peaceful when you're up there. Yeah, if it's a if it's a new model sailplane, it's probably very quiet. Wow. I have a German uh, Grobe, made in Germany, and yeah. uh, very fine two place glider. Hmm. Now, um, another aspect of your career that uh, some people may not know is uh, that you also directed movies, correct? Yes, I've done a total of over 100 films. Mm -hmm. Most of them as an actor, but some as a writer and some as a, a director, and I've enjoyed it tremendously. I've been very lucky, and uh, we're still flying and still directing and still acting. Wow. Now, All those things. Now, you, I understand you acted, directed, Produced and wrote in 1972, uh, J.W. Coop. That's right. Wow. How was that? For, was that your first time out doing all that? Well, uh, that was my first time out acting and directing and and writing all in one. I was sort of had a lot on my shoulders. I guess, <laughs> but it was it turned out very very successful. Yeah, and uh, I. I was I was in heaven while I was doing that. I was also pretty well. I didn't have any spare time. I worked very hard. I'm sure. Gee. And it was about a year's work after we 
finished it, editing, and putting it all together, and that was very successful, so I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Now, in 81, you also directed a movie called The Pilot, and you acted in it? Yeah. Now, was that sort of, I mean, The Pilot, it, it makes me think of your aviation love. Was Is that partly why you got into that movie? Well, that's why they brought the script to me. Ah. And they said they had this script from a book called The Pilot, and uh, mm -hmm. they said, we know you're a pilot, and you're right for this character, and would you, uh, would you like to... Uh, help us with the rewrite. Hmm. So I was hired to, to rewrite, and then they decided to hire me as an actor. They finally said, well, you, you're close to this character. Said, well, would you would you act in it? And I said, sure. Wow, you must have. So we did it, and then uh, it got very good reviews, and we were very pleased with that, too. Hmm. Yeah. So I've been very lucky. Yeah. Now, uh, now going into your, your acting, um, what made you decide to get into acting? I didn't decide to get into acting. Oh, really? Acting decided to get into my bloodstream. Ah. <laughs> it, it started when the third grade in La Jolla, California, where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And I learned in the little junior high school uh, or grammar school, third grade of, Mr., of Mrs. Radford. And she asked if I would be in this little play, which was a play for children, where these characters were good and bad. The good characters were healthy vegetables. The bad characters were too many candies and sweets. And I played a radish because <laughs> I was short at the time. Yeah. And uh, I learned something. Uh, that By doing that little play, I didn't have to stay after school that year. <laughs> Uh, so I found that that was a very handy little gimmick. That was a, uh, a little device to, to avoid doing what you didn't want to do. Yeah. I learned later on in military school, if I volunteered for the play, I wouldn't have to walk around the quad on the weekends for doing something that I shouldn't have done. <laughs> so it was a device. It was a, a way of getting out of doing something I didn't want to do. So I thought, well, it's a helpful thing to do, yeah. to act. But uh, I didn't plan on being an actor. <laughs> and then uh, I was I was working for a newspaper, a young journalist, I thought. And I, and I, they accused me of being able to write. They said, you ought to write plays instead of a, a journal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started writing and uh, it worked out pretty well for me, and I've been very lucky. Yeah. So now, all these years, I've, I've, you know, I've loved the work that you've done all all these years. But I never knew you. You know, you've played a president, you've played uh, the uncle in Spider Man, but I never knew you played a radish. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, <laughs> very well put. Now. Um, in 1953, and and I honestly can't say I I don't remember this show, but you played a character called Rod Brown on a show called Rod Brown and the Rocket Rangers. That's right. For 58 episodes on TV, can you tell us a little about that? <laughs> well, I was in New York, struggling, and uh, along came the job. It was a series to be shown on Saturday morning from 
kids mm-hmm. called Rod Brown and the Rocket Rangers. And I, I was hired to play Rod Brown. Hmm. So it was a steady once-a-week job, so I paid the rent. Well, I was Rod Brown for about a year, I guess. <laughs> we were in about a year and a half. Yeah. It did very well. Huh. But it paid my rent. I, I don't go around bragging about it. I'm Rod Brown. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a fun show. with tests physically. I got up at 4 in the morning on Saturday and drive my car way up. Off our east side, where there's a studio with CBS, mm-hmm. and we go and put on our rock our space suits. We only had a day and a half of rehearsal. Yeah, it's just a Friday before, Thursday before, so we'd have to learn the lines, get up, get up early in the morning and do that show. But I was doing a play at the same time, so I was, I was in the in high cotton. I was. Doing very well with the two jobs. Wow. Now, I also was very lucky. Yeah, gee. Um, now, after that, um, now, is it true that your first uh, film that you made was a role in Picnic? The what? Uh, your first uh, film debut was in Picnic, the movie with William Holden? Yeah, that, and, was, that sort of introduced me, you know, acting. Yeah. Bill Holden. Rosalind Russell and Betty Field. And wow, there are a lot of stars in that. Good actors. Yeah. Um, now, now, how was it? Here it is, your first major acting movie, uh, and you're working with William Holden. It was great. We hit it off, Bill and I. We became good buddies, and we, we did a couple of films after that later on. Yeah. Bill was a great guy and a wonderful actor and a, and a true friend. Mm-hmm. And, and then you continued on, and you made a, a, a role, you played a role of a crazy husband opposite Joan Crawford in 1956 called Autumn Leaves? Yeah. And, and now here you are again with, the you know, your second big movie, and, and all of a sudden you're with Joan Crawford. I mean... <laughs> well, yeah, I was uh, pretty bewildered because she was considerably... She'd been in the movies quite a bit. She'd been a big, huge movie star. Yeah. And when I went out from Broadway to Hollywood to do the first movie, I went out. I was invited out to her house to rehearse, and uh, I looked at all this sumptuous living, this high lifestyle, and all these people with their fancy cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was impressed, but not to the degree that I was going to move out to California, because uh-huh. I was brought up in La Jolla. And, we never considered Hollywood anything other than Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. <laughs> we were very conservative in those days. Yeah. But uh, I was, uh, I learned a lot in doing that first film. She was quite a pro, and she was very, very nice to me and very helpful. Really? And yeah. uh, she was married to Al Steele, who was then the president of Pepsi Cola. She, she became active in Pepsi Cola after that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she was quite a gal. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. 
complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Now, um, then in 1959, you uh, turned around and you played the big kahuna in the movie Gidget, which was yeah, always a fun big movie. Kahuna. Yeah. And, uh, Sandra Z and Timmy Darren. Yeah. And, uh, that was a kind of a kick because, uh, I grew up in La Jolla, as I've mentioned twice before. Yeah. And, uh, I knew that scene, the surfing scene, pretty well. Oh, you did? So, uh, it wasn't anything new to me. Mm. And I enjoyed it, and it was very, very successful. Yeah, uh, those. That was such a good, you know, it was a fun film. It's a fun film. It was a new genre. Yeah. It, it brought surfing to the attention of the kids all over throughout America. Yeah. It was sort of a lead into the, the beach blanket movies with the, uh, Annette Funicello and, and Frankie yeah, Avalon. Yeah, I, I think it had, had a little more substance. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor Sanders no longer with this. She <laughs> was very good. It was her, her I think, her first film. Wow. Yeah. Now, many roles followed after that, but most notably in 1969, uh, a, a movie I remember seeing you in is uh, where you portrayed uh, John F. Kennedy in the story of his early years in the Navy in yeah. the movie PT-109. Uh, yes, uh, President Kennedy picked me for that role. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. How That must have been a thrill. Well, it was. It was a great surprise, and I was very flattered. I think it was one of the few bad decisions he ever made. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we were great. We were well, critics were good to us. It was very, very, very successful. Yeah, that was a good movie. Did Now, did you do a lot of the uh, the stunt work in that, you know, like the swimming? I did some of the, my own swimming and surfing, but uh, they don't like you to do too much of that because they have insurance. It makes the insurance rates go way up. I'm sure, yeah. But that, uh, I mean, that role, I, c- I can remember you in that movie. was It's just it so good. You did such a good job oh, with thank that. Thank you very much. My daughter called from prep school one day and said, Daddy, I can't believe it. I'm sitting here with some of my schoolmates uh, up in New England. And I'm watching you kissing this woman. I said, well, darling, it's just a, just a movie. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was it difficult to play the part of a living president that was, you know, so well-liked at that time? Well, I knew that everybody felt they, they knew him because he was a very gracious man, mm-hmm. charming and very attractive. And I, I also knew that everybody, hey, he was very popular. Yeah. So I, I recognize the difficulty of playing a popular person because, and then he did not want me to use the, the Boston accent. Oh, really? You know, that's not what you could do here. Yeah. <laughs> he said any good comic, nightclub comic could do that. He said, I want you to play it just sort of neutral. Yeah. So we did. And it seemed to work out well. Whatever he said, right? <laughs> Whatever he said was fine with me. Right. He's the president, so. That's after all. Yeah. Now. Um, he's very kind to me and gracious. After 
So you did meet him several well, times? Yeah, he invited me to Washington, and I got to meet him. And I had known some of his family. Wow. But uh, they've, they've always been, the Kennedys have always been very gracious to me. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, a lot of actors um, who are in movies don't go off into a lot of TV, but you did a TV show back in the 60s, which was extremely popular, um, called Batman. Oh, yeah. And you played, you played Shane. Shane. He was a, he was a, he was a dumb, really stupid cowboy. Shane. <laughs> and funny. Yeah. And uh, I loved playing that. It was just, 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 just a ball. Oh, yeah. I did a couple of Rod shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can remember yeah, as a kid seeing you in that, that show, and it was... You know, one called the dummy where I played a ventriloquist. Yeah. And the, my puppet begins to take over. Yep. And then they made a movie based on the same idea. Mm-hmm. And then I did a couple more. I just love doing those sort of shows. Yeah. It, they were fun. I mean. They were a lot of fun and they would give uh, more serious actors the chance to have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Now, in, in 1968, you won an Academy Award as, for Best Actor for your role in the film Charlie. Uh, was, right. it, was it a difficult role to play? Well, the, the, the part where he was stupid was easy for me. That came natural. <laughs> the part where, where he was transformed and become very bright, that was a little alien to me. <laughs> seriously, uh, it was a... It was a wonderful role and I love playing it and I, I may even do a sequel. Oh really? You never know. There are people interested in it. Wow, that and, would be uh, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Charlie years later have the same actor. Yeah, that would be that would be an unusual thing. I don't think it's ever been done. Yeah. So there's some very enterprising young people right now that are interested in doing that with me. Wow, that would be great. So that would be an unusual happening, and hopefully it would be readily accepted by the audience. Yeah, gee, I think that would be a good movie. Um, I I always enjoyed that movie, and and I hadn't seen it for years. And then I think last year they showed it on, or maybe even, you know, just within the last few months, they showed it on, I don't know, MGM HD channel or something. And I, I, I watched it, and it was like, you know, I, I could always remember that movie because I I just enjoyed it, and it was it was su- such a good, you know, to see it again was was really something. The what? To see the movie again. Oh yeah, well it seemed to hold on. It seemed to have good legs. Yeah, yeah. After years later, I was delighted. I saw it recently, and I had written the the big scene where he, he's confronted with the, by the scientific community in that big lecture hall in Boston. Mm-hmm. In Boston. Yeah. And I had written that particular scene. Oh, you did? And I, I, I was just delighted to see that the words seemed to hold up. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, in, in case anybody who's listening doesn't know what the movie is, it's it's about, uh, you played the part of a mentally challenged person who becomes a genius through a medical experiment. And uh, I won't tell them what happens in the no. end, but it, it it's a good movie. They should really watch it. Well, it seems to have survived some of its actors. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Now, another movie that a lot of people have seen is in 1976, you, you played in a film with Charlton Heston, Henry Fonda, James Coburn, Glenn Ford, Hal Holbrook, Robert Mitchum, Robert Wagner uh, in the movie Midway. Um, I mean, that's a, and, and with you in there, that, that's an incredible lineup of people. Well, Walter Marish was a producer, and he knew all these actors. They all liked him. He's a fine man. He's a fine man. Good friend. And uh, he knew all these actors, and they admired him and liked him and, and all desired, promised to do a cameo, except Charlton. He played a, a running character through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I played a Navy pilot, which was fun, and they let me write my own scenes. Wow, yeah, because I mean, you know, you look at the list of people. I mean, you know, with you and all these others, it's like this is a a, a list of Hollywood greats right there. <laughs> well, we've all been around the block a while. <laughs> um, now, in in the seventies, um, there was that Hollywood Gate they called it or something. Yeah. And how did that affect your career? It. <laughs> Well, it didn't help it. <laughs> what we did, was, uh, if you look up the historic whole thing, there was a water gate, and everybody in America knows what that was the first gate. Then there was a Wall Street gate. Mm-hmm. Then there was a Hollywood gate, and it was a situation where I blew the whistle on the uh, head of a studio who was uh, named David Beagleman. He was a he had been an agent, and he was made rather mysteriously suddenly the head of a studio. But he was a man that had some distinct flaws in his character, and one was he uh, forged checks and cashed other people's checks and hmm. did a number of things that were not lawful. And I was surprised by the IRS that particular year, and they said, well, you owe certain amount of money in taxes for, for this money paid to you by Columbia Pictures. I said, well, that's interesting. So they didn't work for Columbia that year. Wow. And then we looked into it, and the FBI got into it, and they found out that president, then president of Columbia Pictures, Mr. Beagleman, had uh, done a number of forgeries and bad things, hmm. which was which uh, everybody told me I'd never work again for exposing them. We just tried to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, and you should be commended for it, not, not uh, you know, punished for it, that's for sure. Well, we, we, were, we were proud, actually, because it, it helped it helped the, the industry a lot because people began to realize that you, you could work, uh, and if you did the right thing, you wouldn't be blackballed. Everybody said I'd never work again. Hmm. I didn't work for two years, so that was an interesting experience. Yeah, jeez. But then you came back, uh, you know, you've, you've come back from there, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, I've survived. I've, the old song says I'm still here. <laughs> now, now um, one of the things you came back with, uh, you played uh, a recurring character for 28 episodes on Falcon Crest. Oh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and, and uh, that was... Uh, Jane Wyman. Yep, Jane, yeah. Wow. And, and Bob Foxworth. Yeah. And you also played, in Star 80, you played Hugh Hefner? Yeah, I play a, a few historical characters. Yeah. Hefner, Ford, 
Mm-hmm. The automaker. Yeah. Yeah. Buzz Aldrin, the astronaut. Yeah, it it must be difficult though to play somebody who who's still living. You know that everybody knows. I mean, you know everybody knows Hugh Hefner. You know who he That's is. That's right, Brian. Everybody feels they know the, uh, the well-known character, so you're up against the wall. Or or their impression of what he is, I should yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, usually these people don't mind. I know Bud didn't mind having his character dramatized. Buzz is still a friend of mine to this day. Oh yeah. He opposite him a lot. Huh. He's in these pro celebrities, he race. Yeah. Now, many of our younger listeners, of course, know you as your recent roles in Spider-Man's movies one, two, and three as Uncle Ben Parker. Yeah. Now, even though you're, and I must say, you did a great job in that movie. Well, thank you. Um, it's 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 just so you know. I mean. You know, it brought, you know, it chokes you up when you see, you know, when you were doing the, the scene where you were passing away. Uh, yeah. Um, but now, you, e- even though you passed away in the first movie, of course, you've been in the, the last two also. Yeah. Um, do you know if you're going to be in the, the fourth one? Well, I don't know yet, uh, but I sure would be, be willing to, all things being equal. I would love it. The director was the kindest director I think I've ever worked in. I've worked in over 100 films, and he is a wonderful man. Wow, yeah. And um, now, recently, uh, Steve, you were in a Stephen King movie called Riding the Bullet. Oh, yeah. And I, I actually saw that on TV. You did? Just, just though, maybe a week or two ago, it was on. Oh, is that right? Yeah. What, what program was it on? It was on uh, the MGM channel. <laughs> MGM? MGM HD is what it was on. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because oh. I had never seen the movie. and oh, I, I, I didn't get to see it either. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and of course, you played, uh, you picked, you were uh, a local in Maine who was driving along, and you picked up the main character in the movie. Yeah. And you were uh, sort of a little, the, 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 the guy you picked up, was kind of leery of you. He didn't know if you were going to yeah. kill him. <laughs> he was kind of. I was sort of bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting, uh, interesting story. Hmm. Well-known writer. Oh yes, yes, Stephen King. Now, do you actually meet Stephen King? No, I didn't meet Mr. King. I admire his work, though, and I enjoyed that role. Hmm. I, I like a wide variety of roles. I, I, I would get bored playing the same character week after week after week. Yeah, well, that that you know, from your career, I mean, that, it's obvious that you uh, you 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 are not pigeonholed into one char- no. type of character. That's right. Mm-hmm. I uh, I find it more fun to play a variety of characters. The overworked, overused word challenge, but it is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Because everybody feels like they know what the character should say and look like and act. Right, yeah. If they see somebody who doesn't do a reasonable job, they they don't like that. Hmm. Now, um, so there may be a possibility that we might see you on the screen again then. Oh, sure. There always lurks in the shadows, that possibility. Yeah, well, we could... I, I'm here with my cat and out in the country and uh, my friends and 
books, airplane, and uh, God's wonderful world that is in present turmoil, but we're, we'll, we'll survive. Yeah. Our country will survive. Uh, we, we believe in it, and, and we believe we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And we're trying to be a good democracy, and we hope the world follows. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like like you were telling us about the uh, the Charlie possible sequel, that, I mean, I would love to see that. I, I think that would be great. Yeah, I've heard, well, it's nice of you, Brian. I've heard other people respond that way. They all seem to be uh, fascinated by the potential. Yeah, yeah. And I would be delighted. Mm-hmm. And as I say, there's some very intrepid uh, young producers who I won't mention because uh, it's not my province. Yeah. But they are very bright and they're very enthusiastic about the idea. And they're in the process of, uh, of doing it. And uh, if they do it, I'll be in it. Great. That, that would be. I, I'd, I'd go see it, that's for sure. <laughs> what? I would go see it, that's for sure. Well, good. We There's two tickets. I can get a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cliff, I want to thank you so much for taking this time and sharing these Brian, stories. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, Cliff Robertson is a great guest to have. He's such a nice guy, and it was just a joy talking with him and he, the stories he told us and everything else. And uh, I hope that uh, his movie of Charlie will continue because that is a great film. And if you get a chance, go ahead and watch it. And uh, let's let's hope that he can get that out as a uh, a sequel because that would be a good one. And uh, we want to uh, thank him very much for taking the time and talking with us. And that's about it for our 50th episode of On Screen and Beyond. I want to remind you once again, you can go back and listen to every single episode, every single guest. We have had so many great people that we have talked to. And some people were uh, veterans who, who have stories to tell all about the things they've done over the years, uh, we've had the youngsters who were coming up, and they had some good stories to tell. And uh, some have uh, broken out, like Taylor, who's now in uh, the uh, Twilight movies. And it's just so many different interviews we've had and so many great guests. And we want to thank every single one of them for doing those interviews and taking the time to talk to us so we can share it with you. And also, we want to thank uh, all the guests that we will be having because there's uh, plenty more coming your way. We have some great ones coming your way, uh, some more Oscar winners and some people. I actually even got to hold an Oscar. Um, so that that was quite a thrill. I'm going to try to post that up on the website so everybody gets a chance to see that. Uh, you know, Not very often you get to hold an Os- a real Oscar. And uh, I um, had that opportunity, thanks to Barry Moreau, who uh, wrote Rain Man. There's just so many different people that we've talked with, some great stories, and we hope you'll keep listening. And if you have suggestions of people who you would like to have us interview, whether they're TV people or if they're movie people or if they're music people, um, let us know who it is because we will really try to get those people. Um, I can't promise you anything because, like I say, I always say that it's tough. You know, uh, it's it's hard to get connected with some of these people and... Um, 
But when we do, they tell the greatest stories there are, and they're all right here on On Screen and Beyond. So hope you keep listening. Uh, we'll be heading for the next 50 shows as we move toward our 100th show. <laughs> Who will have a guest for that one? I have no idea yet. But uh, we'll see what we're going to do. And uh, keep listening. And until next time, this is Brian saying take care. Thank you.